Hey, I'm Pastor Joel, and just want to say thank you for downloading or streaming this message today. My prayer for you is that you're blessed by the content that you hear. As a church, our desire is to make disciples of Jesus, and we do that by helping people to trust and follow Him in every aspect of their daily life. So if this is something that blesses you, we just hope that you'll feel free to share this with others so that they might be encouraged and challenged by it as well. I wish I had some rhythm so I could dance to come in there. Some of you kids in the room, you guys, next time that happens, you just feel free, okay? Hey, if you've got your Bible, turn with me and let's celebrate God's truth together. Mark chapter 3 is what we're going to look at this morning. And uh, Mark chapter 3, verses 13 through 15, just two short verses. We're going to be jumping into a new teaching series called Follow the Leader. And as we do that and we talk about this, we have different ways that we approach teaching. Sometimes we go through book studies where we'll just go verse by verse through a book. Sometimes we take the big ideas of a book and pull out those things. Today we're going to be starting a series that's going to be a little bit more along the lines of just a topical approach to ask some questions and answer some specific things about how we do life as followers of Jesus. And so here's what Mark wrote in, in, uh, in his gospel account, Mark chapter 3, verses 14, or 13 through 15. He says this, Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. And he appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. All right, and so we are looking at life in a lot of different rhythms and ways right now. Life has changed a lot for us over the past six to eight months. When you think about the rhythms you once kept in life and how consistent life may have seemed, those things are just no longer the case for a lot of us. We used to, to kind of have our rhythm in place of going, you know what, I go to work and then I come home and I'm with my family and we do dinner and then we maybe have our evening extracurricular activities or I've got my kids' activities that we're gonna do. Or I've just kind of got a rhythm to life. Here's my Monday through Friday and then here's what we do on Saturday and Sunday, and then we go back into the work week, and it's just the rhythm of life. But for a lot of us, those rhythms have really been thrown off. And for some people, that rhythm that we kind of have in life and what we look for to keep us balanced and to keep chaos out, that rhythm has been pretty dramatic. There's been some dramatic changes. For others of us, it's been more subtle. But we've all been through some different things that have changed the rhythms that we've experienced in life. Some of us are now working from home, and that's different. You know, if you're used to going into work in the office, now you're working from home. Here's what I experienced in the few weeks that I was working from home. I was working more from home than I was when I was coming to the office because the office was at home and I could just anytime sit down at my computer, check email, respond to things, start working on stuff, read more, study more, get ready to preach the next week's sermon. You know, it's just constant. I'm at work all the time because work and home are the same place. And that was different for me. I'm used to separating those two things and kind of putting work to a certain extent off and then going home and just being with my family. Well, that was no longer the case while we were quarantined and doing that. Some of us have lost jobs. Where we go now, I'm, I'm just home a lot. I don't even have work to, to think about or go to. Maybe that's a big change of rhythm for you. Maybe it was just something subtle and simple like a vacation got shifted. You couldn't go where you wanted to go this year for your vacation time. All these different things included. Business travels changed. All kinds of things have changed. Now, in the past two weeks, 
we've got kids going back to school and they're not going anywhere. They're doing school in their living room, in their bedroom, in your kitchen. Like that's where school is. And we've got these changes of rhythms where everybody's now kind of having to figure out, I need to work and I need to have my kids at home and I've got to figure out how to do this and how to help them with school. And man, life rhythms have just changed dramatically. And so we want to think about what it looks like to have our lives that normally we kind of know what the rhythm is and how to do life and stay balanced. And now all of a sudden, maybe for you, life seems like it's been thrown more into chaos than balance. And so that's what we want to talk about this morning. All of the changes that we've experienced have not been bad. Some of these changes that we've experienced over the last few months, in fact, have been good. And we should see them that way. For several months when this quarantine first hit and the, the pandemic was becoming more and more aware and known, we started praying and I started specifically asking God, show Christ followers what it means to let go of some things that have been unnecessary in our life and bring us back to the place where we're really just focusing in on what's important. There are so many outside, external things that we get so caught up in that just become part of our life. But if we're honest, if they were to go away, it wouldn't be the end of the world. Case in point, I'm a big sports fan. And when March Madness got canceled this year, the NCAA basketball tournament, I had this woe is me moment. Like, what am I going to do for the next month? My Fridays and Saturdays and Sundays are supposed to be spent watching basketball for a month straight. Like, that's all I'm going to do. I'm going to spend the first weekend of March with a TV on 24 hours a day because I want to see what's going on in basketball. There's constantly basketball on. Well, guess what? Basketball went away. And I thought, oh no, what am I going to do? This is crazy. How am I going to spend March? Well, guess what? It really wasn't that big of a deal. What I found out was I didn't miss it nearly as much as I thought I would. In fact, it, it helped me to not spend so much time at Buffalo Wild Wings with my buddies as it did I was home with my family playing games and watching movies and just being with my family and my kids. Right? And so there are things that we can look at in life and go, when God starts to change our rhythms, it's not always a bad thing. We need to be asking God, what are you showing us that you want us to march in rhythm with you? And so over the past six months, I've been discovering a lot about rhythms. And if you're taking notes with us this morning, if you're someone who likes to write things down, or if you're following along on our app, you can just write a couple of these things down, type them in on your app. Here's the first thing I want you to see. Rhythm in life can bring either balance or chaos. When you start thinking about your rhythm in life, it can bring either balance or chaos. You've got a good, healthy rhythm that you're following, and there's balance in that. Or some of us, we don't have a plan from minute to minute what we're going to do. We just bounce all over the place and rhythm is just whatever's in front of me at the moment. I'm going to do what's right there. I don't have a plan. I don't have a strategy. And it just can end up becoming chaotic. Life becomes difficult. And so I know for me, 
An unhealthy life rhythm invites stress and anxiety, and it just results in chaos. About a month ago, I was feeling some of this. And I've got to be honest with you, I've been feeling some anxiety and stress lately that's been pretty heavy. And so I'm working through some of that. But I just grabbed my journal several weeks ago and just started to write some things down. And I just want to be have a moment of authenticity here with you, if I can, and, and just kind of share with you where, where my heart's been lately. Here's what I wrote uh, probably three or four weeks ago said, I have a difficult time saying these things out loud because it feels like I'm not supposed to. I'm supposed to have it all together, right? But I don't. Inside, I feel angry, frustrated, scared, hopeless, bitter, disappointed, incapable, unfocused, distracted, tense, inadequate. And I could have kept going on and on, but my vocabulary is not all there. And so I just stopped at that point. But man, I wonder, I wonder if you felt like that. I wonder watching from home if any of you guys have felt like that. In fact, just to help me not feel like I'm on an island here, would you just raise your hand if you've had an emotion <laughs> along those lines? Home people, you guys, don't be afraid to look at your spouse and go, I've felt that. Don't let your kids be afraid to see that you're not a perfect person, a perfect parent. You can raise your hand and go, man, I've experienced some of those things. I've, I've had the challenges. The difficulty's been there. The stress, the anxiety, the worry, all of those things have been there. Now, let me ask you a question. When you read the accounts of Jesus' life, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, and you see in the gospel story the life of Jesus, do you ever find Jesus in those moments where Jesus would go, I'm frustrated, I'm anxious, I'm bitter, I'm nervous, I'm worried? You just don't see Jesus in that light. And I think part of it is, is because Jesus developed a rhythm to walk with God that he understood how to draw his power from him. Now, for a lot of us, it'll be easy to look at Jesus and go, well, okay, pastor, let's be honest for just a second. Jesus was God, right? Like he's kind of above all this. It's easy to write him off because surely Jesus just naturally had it all together and he didn't have to worry about these things. Yes, it's true. Jesus is God. But Jesus was also 100% man. He took on flesh and he took on everything that flesh embodies in it. And so when we see Jesus and we follow after his story, we start to understand that he experienced the difficulties that we experienced. He experienced the challenges that we experienced. And yet, we don't find him being angry and bitter and disappointed and frustrated and anxious and worried we just don't see that in the life of Jesus. So we kind of got to go, well, why? Look at Hebrews chapter five, verses seven through eight. It says, during the days of Jesus's life on earth, he offered up prayers and petitions with fervent cries and tears to the one who could save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Son, though he was, son of God, though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. See, when Jesus went through life's most difficult moments, he walked in perfect step with God the Father. When Jesus went through these difficult things, he developed a soul rhythm that kept him perfectly in line with God. And I wonder this morning, when we think about our lives, and when you look at your life, and you think about this question of, do I have a rhythm that keeps me in line with God? Or have I developed rhythms that are really unhealthy and that bring more chaos into my life than I would have ever imagined? 
Though Jesus suffered in life, he learned to keep a spiritual rhythm with the Father. And in this series, that's what I want us to focus on. We want to talk about the things that Jesus did and how following his lead will help us be able to take those same steps. How do we develop a rhythm that looks like Jesus? We want to look at his rhythms in life and learn from him. Then we need to see what changes need to be made in our life. Because here's the central truth of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. If we're going to follow him, we have to let him change us to do what he wants us to do. Otherwise, we're not following him. We're claiming him as Messiah and then doing our own thing. We're going our own way. Jesus calls us into relationship, not just to be saved from our sins so we go to heaven when we die, but to have our lives transformed and changed by him to walk with him in obedience. And so that's what we want to do. Jesus' disciples, the first 12 that he called with him, they got this. They literally followed Jesus. They went where he went and they ate what he ate. And they saw what he saw and heard what he heard. And they did everything Jesus did. And ultimately, they took on the ministry that Jesus gave them. And so when we think about this, the disciples literally followed Jesus. And if we're going to follow Jesus' disciples today, we need to look at the writings in the New Testament. And we need to discover what was the original plan that Jesus had for his followers. And then how do we do that? So here's where I want us to go this morning. We're going to look at several passages of Scripture through the New Testament and just pull out some of the rhythms that Jesus kept. The first thing I want us to see is this, Matthew chapter 4, verse 19. And he, Jesus, said to them, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. Now, this verse, I hope, is one you're familiar with. If you've been coming to Grace Fellowship for any period of time, hopefully this isn't new to you. This is where we get our definition of what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. When Jesus called people in to follow him, he literally said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. So there's three components to what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Number one, that we follow him. Where he goes, we go. What he says, we do. We follow him. So follow me and I'll make you. Number two is that we're being changed by Jesus. A disciple is one who's being changed by Jesus that listens to him say, I will make you. I'm gonna take you where you are and I'm gonna change you into something new and different. I'll make you. There's a change that takes place. And then finally, I'll make you fishers of men. He took especially some of his earliest guys that were fishing for fish and said, I'm gonna give you a new mission. We're gonna fish for men now. So because I want you, number three, to be on mission with me. A disciple of Jesus is one who follows Jesus, is being changed by Jesus, and is on mission with Jesus. And so here's what I want you to get if you're taking notes. In order to follow our leader, we have to be changed to accomplish his mission. If we want to accomplish the mission of Jesus to change the world, we have to be changed. We have to let God, through Jesus and the work of the Holy Spirit, change us. And so here's what I want us to get this morning. When the disciples received this call from Jesus, they changed their lives in order to follow him. You see brothers, Peter and Andrew, you see brothers, James and John, they're fishing, they're with their dad. When Jesus comes along and says, follow me, they literally drop their nets, jump out of the boat, leave the family business and go become followers of Jesus. They're changed. 
all of the disciples are changed. Matthew, who sits in a tax collector's booth and works for Rome, even though he's a Jewish citizen, when Jesus comes to Matthew and says, you should come and be with me and my crew, Matthew leaves the tax collector's booth. He leaves a life of luxury. He leaves extraordinary wealth and power and prestige in his community to follow Jesus. He's changed. Every disciple has this moment where they change their life in order to follow Jesus and accomplish his mission. And so here's what I want you to write down this morning next. There's one dominant life rhythm that models Jesus' life. The rhythm that we want to look at this morning is this. Jesus would spend time being with God, and then he would be sent by God. He would spend time with God, and then he would be sent by God. That's the rhythm of life that Jesus kept. And we're going to see how Jesus being with God meant that he spent time in personal devotion and prayer. And then being sent by God meant that he went out with the instructions of God as he spent time with him to know what to do next. And he moved into action in the power of God. That's what defined Jesus' life. And as disciples of Jesus, this should be what defines our life. The Christian life is not extraordinarily difficult if we'll just get behind the rhythms of Jesus. If we'll say, here's what Jesus did. He spent time with God. He was with God in prayer, in devotion, time away from everything. He closed out the world outside of him to be with God. And then he would hear from God and be on mission for him. He would be sent by God. That's the calling of our life, being with being sent. That's what we saw in Mark chapter three. And we're going to get back to that in a minute. But Jesus appointed 12 that they might be with him and that he might send them out. This is the life rhythm of Jesus. And then it's the life rhythm that he calls us to as his followers. And if we're going to follow him, we have to get this. So let's take a closer look at how the rhythm plays out in Jesus's life. And then what he calls us to in our life. Here's Luke chapter four. We're going to look at three different passages in the gospel of Luke. Luke chapter four, verses one through 15. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan. He had just been baptized in the Jordan River by John. It says he left the Jordan and he was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. Verses three through 12, we're gonna skip past just a little bit. I'll frame it for you. Jesus is tempted by the devil. There's three different temptations. Jesus resists all of them using scripture and he comes out from the temptation. And then we hit verse 13. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. And Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the spirit and news about him spread through the whole countryside. He was teaching in their synagogues and everyone praised him. So Jesus spent time with God in fasting and prayer for 40 days. He resists temptation from the, uh, from the devil. And then it says that he emerged from the desert, his fasting and, and prayer, and he emerged in power. And he went into the, all of the region around preaching and going into their synagogues and sharing the hope of God. So we see this being with God leads to being sent by God. Here's Luke chapter five, verses 15 through 17. Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and he prayed. 
One day Jesus was teaching and Pharisees and teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village of Galilee and from Judea and Jerusalem and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. So as the ministry of Jesus continues to grow, he becomes more popular. His fame is spreading throughout this entire region. Everywhere he goes, he's surrounded by people. But did you notice what he did? He often withdrew to lonely places to pray. He goes, man, all the crowds, all the stuff around, all the externals, that's great. But if I'm not being with God, then I can't be on mission out here with the people. He's with God and then he's sent back. The end of that said when he was teaching, the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They came from every village of Galilee and the power of the Lord was with Jesus. He was with God and then he went out to be with the people full of the power of God. This is the rhythm. Be with, be sent. Luke chapter six, verses 12 through 16. One of those days, Jesus went out to a mountainside to pray and he spent the night praying to God. And when morning came, he called his disciples to him and he chose 12 of them who he also designated apostles. Simon, who's named Peter, his brother Andrew, James, John, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Simon, who was called the Zealot, Judas, son of James, and Judas Iscariot, who became a traitor. So the night before Jesus was going to choose the 12. He had always had crowds following. He had had a lot of people that were around, a lot of people who called themselves his disciples already. But he said, I'm going to choose 12 specific ones to be in deep relationship with me and to follow my mission. The night before he did that, what does he do? He goes on a mountainside and he spends all night praying. God, show me of the ones that are around me, which of the 12 I choose for myself. And then he emerged and he called those to be with him who would carry out his mission. He spends time with the Father and then he engages in the mission of the Father. He's with and he's sent. This is the rhythm of Jesus's life and this is what we need to see for our lives too. As Jesus is going to build his church, being with and being sent is the rhythm for that. Mark chapter one, verses 35 through 39 it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Simon and his companions went to look for him. And when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And Jesus replied, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so I can preach there also. That's why I've come. So he traveled throughout Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and driving out demons. And so I love this. Again, Jesus goes off by himself to pray. He needs to be with his father, to be energized, to be strengthened, to hear from God what's next. He goes to be with them. And then the disciples early that morning come and go, Jesus, I know it's early, but everybody's already looking for you. The crowds are gathering. The sick are needing to be healed. Everyone's looking for you. And Jesus goes, I've been with my father all night. Here's the next step. We need to leave here and go to the next place. We need to go everywhere else. It's time to take the next part of our mission. Let's extend our area of reach. He's with God the night before in prayer. And then God reveals to him, here's the mission, the next step. And I wonder how often it's true in our life that we learn when we look at our life and go, I often don't know what God wants me to do next. Before we're sent on mission for him, are we spending time just being with him? 
It's important to get this rhythm and to know it. Jesus went off by himself to be with God. Then he heard what God wanted next. Be with God. Be sent by God. This is the rhythm that Jesus called. It shaped his life, and it's the rhythm then that he gives to his followers. And so I want us to look at another passage of Scripture to show how Jesus takes this same rhythm for his life. He says, this is what I do to follow God, and if you're going to be my disciple, then this is what I want you to do to follow me. Look at Luke chapter 9. We're going to read verses 1 through 6 and then verse 10. It says, when Jesus had called the 12 together, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. He told them, take nothing for the journey, no staff, no bag, no bread, no money, no extra shirt. Whatever house you enter, stay there until you leave that town. If people do not welcome you, leave their town and shake the dust off your feet as a testimony against them. So they set out and went from village to village, proclaiming the good news and healing people everywhere. Skip down to verse 10. When the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus what they had done. Like, I love this. The disciples for a period of time now have been with Jesus. He's called them together. He says, you've been with me. Now I'm going to send you out from me. You've been around me. Now I'm going to send you guys in pairs and you're going to go out and you're going to do the things I've been doing. You've been with me. Now I'm going to send you out from me. You've been experiencing what I've been doing. Now you're going to go and do those things. You've been with. Now I'm going to send you on mission. That's the pattern. This is what Jesus does. And then at the end of that time, the last verse says, when the apostles returned, they reported to Jesus all that had happened. They go on mission and then they come back to being with Jesus again. It's this cyclical pattern that gets developed. And as followers of Jesus ourselves, we need to see this. That being with Jesus results in being sent by him so that we might return to be with him again and be filled up so that he can again send us on mission. He does this again with another group. He has his 12, but he has 72 others that are just kind of always around him and following his ministry. Luke chapter 10, verses one through three. Then we're gonna skip down just a little bit. Verses one through three says this. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and he sent them two by two ahead of him to go into town and place where he was about to go. And he told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. We're gonna skip the next few verses because they sound almost identical to what we just read when Jesus sent out the 12. So skip down to verse 16. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. But whoever rejects me, rejects him who sent me. And the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Watch this again. Jesus says, you've been with me. You've been watching what I do. You've been following what I do. Now I'm going to send you out from me so that you can go and minister in my name. And then they return to Jesus to be with him. And they go, Lord, you wouldn't believe everything that just happened. Even demons listen to us. Even the demons do what we say because we're moving in the power of God that you've given to us. They were with Jesus and then they were sent from Jesus and then they returned to be with Jesus so that they can be sent again. This is the rhythm of life. When we think about being followers of Christ, if you want to boil this down to what's the irreducible minimum 
of what it looks like to have a Jesus rhythm, to have a soul rhythm that'll change your life so you can follow our leader, Jesus. Be with him and be sent out on mission from him so that you can come back and be with him and be sent out on mission from him. This is what we're supposed to do. We're invited to be with Jesus and learn and listen and be empowered. Then we're being sent in the name of Jesus to do ministry in his name. So as followers of Christ, these are the two things that we abide in Christ. That's being with him. And then that we have an external focus of our life that we understand we're being sent out from him. This is our call. Abide in Christ to be externally focused and be sent out from him on mission. And so for us, the life rhythm, if you're writing some things down, two things to fill in the blank. The life rhythm is central to our spiritual life because being with Jesus empowers us. That's what it does. When we spend time with Jesus, we're empowered. If you try to just jump ahead and do ministry all by yourself on your own, and there's no power of Jesus and power of the Holy Spirit and power of the Father behind that, it's not going to go very well. You first spend time with Jesus because spending time with him empowers us. Then second, being sent from Jesus engages the world in his power. This is how we engage the world. We go out from him in his power. So be with him to be sent to the world in his power. That's where we engage the world. God is still at work in the world to introduce his kingdom and to bring his light into the darkness all around us. Jesus's mission of making disciples of all the nations has been handed down from generation to generation to generation. And for those of us who get it, who know what it means to follow Jesus, we start to do these simple things and God starts to change the world around us. Spend time with Jesus so that he will send you out from him. Be with him to be sent from him and for him. Here's what I want to leave you kind of with this morning. When you think about this rhythm in your life, think about where can this make a difference for you? Where does this rhythm make a difference? Be with Jesus, be sent from Jesus. Here's what I want to challenge you with. Before you go to work tomorrow, be with Jesus so that you can see work as the place Jesus is sending you to be on mission with him. Before you go into your neighborhood this week, be with Jesus so that you can go to your neighbors and you can be on mission for Jesus and so that you can see your community, your neighborhood as a mission field to take the gospel and to love your neighbors in a Christ-exalting way. When you think about your family, your spouse, your kids, be with Jesus so that you can have something to uh, advance the gospel in your home. We need to be with Jesus in prayer and devotion so we can be sent out from him. I think about the rhythm of my life. I wanna be with Jesus during the day so that when I come home at night, I've got something that I can give my kids that's worth them seeing the power of Jesus at work in my life. For some of you, you gotta have to find that rhythm and you're gonna have to fight for it. To say, if I'm going to be with Jesus, I have to fight for time to be with him. I don't know if Jesus was naturally an early bird or not, but he often 
got up very early in the morning and went off by himself to pray and be with his father so that as he had been with God, he had something all day long to give to the people. We have to fight for it. You have to find your time. Maybe it's early in the morning for you that you say, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to fight for 30 extra minutes early to get, set my alarm and get up so I can be with God before I move out into my world and into my day. Maybe it's in the evening that you just go, you know what, instead of just crashing at the end of the day and turning on the TV or surfing the web or whatever it is that you do to unwind, I'm going to take the end of my day and I'm going to spend time with God so that tomorrow when I wake up refreshed, renewed with the things of God on my mind, I can go out into my world and I can be on mission with Jesus. You've got to fight for it. You've got to find time. I can't tell you over the last six months how many Christians I've talked to that has said, I just find it extremely difficult right now to read the Bible and to spend time in prayer. I'm struggling to do that. That conversation has happened over and over and over again. We have to fight for it. If we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to be committed to saying, I'm going to be with him so that I can be on mission for him. I want to be with him and I want to see him sending me out. That's the challenge the Apostle John gives us the final reason, reason that this rhythm is important for us. And he quotes Jesus in John chapter 15. There's one verse that has two promises. I want to give them to you, and then we're going to close up. Here's what he says. John, Jesus is saying this. John records it. John chapter 15, verse 5. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you're the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit apart from me you can do nothing. And so here's the two promises in that verse. Number one, be with me and you'll be fruitful as you're sent. If you'll be with me, you'll be fruitful as you're sent. Right? Be with me. Draw from the vine. I'm the vine. You're the branches. You draw from me. You be with me and you will be fruitful as you're sent. Here's the second promise. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you want to try to go on mission for Jesus in your own power, you go for it. But he tells us, you can do nothing. With me, I'll feed you, supply you, give you everything you need so that you can be sent and be fruitful. Apart from me, there's no promise. There's no promise of fruit. There's no promise of good lasting ministry. We need to be people who develop a rhythm of following Jesus and doing what he did. Jesus spent time with God so that he could be sent on mission by God. As we follow the leader, that's our call as well. Be with me. Be with Jesus so that we can be sent on mission from him. All right. Would you pray with me as we close? And as you bow your head and, and think about these things as you begin to pray, let me just ask you to reflect on two things. When do you spend time with God? What's the time in your life that you make room, that you fight for time with God? When do you spend time with Him? Is it first thing in the morning? Do you carve out time in your lunch break? Is it at night after the house is quiet, everybody's gone to bed? that you get on your face before God with his word and prayer? When do you spend time with God? 
And if you're having a difficult time answering that question right now because it's a struggle and your life rhythm is difficult and there are things that are just hard to bring yourself to that place that you are spending time with God right now, let me ask you the second question. What adjustments into your schedule need to be made so that you can follow God in this rhythm? What adjustments in your schedule this week need to be made so that you can be with Jesus and hear from him about how he's sending you out on mission. You've got to fight for it so that you can follow the leader. Thanks so much for checking out our message today. We hope you are challenged and blessed by it. We want to invite you to come and worship with us in person if you live in the Tri-Cities area. We meet on Sunday mornings at 9 and 1045 a.m. at One Fellowship Point in Kingsport, Tennessee. You can also get more information about us from our website or our mobile app. Have a great day.